Now, most of you are, have got some kind of connection with departments. You'll know that we've had very strong research in communications for the last couple of decades or so. And we have two exciting uh, talks today by colleagues, uh, Professor Justin Kuhn first and then Professor Dominic O'Brien, who are looking at some of the new technologies, some of the uh, new implications, some of the new modeling to do with where communications is going today and in the future. And it's my delight to uh, welcome Justin Kuhn, our first lecturer, who will actually, as you'll see from uh, the title, talk about the Internet of Things, but actually, is it going to be possible to have this Internet of Things, um, given the possible complexities? I look forward to hearing the answer to that in the next 20 minutes. Justin, over to you. Thank you. Um, okay, so hopefully everyone can hear me. Um, is everyone, everyone can hear me in the back? Is that okay? Wonderful. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Lionel kindly mentioned that we do a bit of modeling in the communications research group, and this is really, really where this talk comes in. So I'll, I'll be talking to you about primarily network complexity, but with a, a spin in terms of Internet of Things, just, you know, because I feel that it's, it is incredibly pertinent um, to the, you know, what, what we're about to experience in the, in the coming sort of decade or so. So, um, I mean, just to get us all on a, a firm footing here um, so that we can progress with a common vision, the, the sort of accepted vision for the Internet of Things is this sort of dense, large-scale network of possibly wired and wireless uh, sensors and actuators um, with, you know, that will collectively work together to, to provide a kind of smart world to enhance our society and various other various aspects of that society. So when we talk about... Um, you know, these, these sort of concepts of density and, and large scale, we really do mean dense and large scale. We, we mean millions, billions, trillions of devices, uh, and we, we really mean um, sort of potentially connection densities of, of up to about, you know, a, a million um, connections in a square kilometer, which is maybe seems a little far-fetched, but I'll, I'll give you a, a bit of an example of this uh, in the next slide. And the, the sort of uh, the sorts of areas of expertise that, that we're drawing from are fairly diverse. Um, you know, computer science, um, areas of expertise such as pervasive computing and mobile computing. Obviously, there's a lot of wireless in this. So, <coughs> you know, the wireless sensor networks area is going to play a, a big role in the Internet of Things. Um, primarily, this is because, uh, quite frankly, if we're going to trillions of devices, we don't want to lay cable for all of this stuff. And also, people are going to be wearing some of these sensors. So, you know, the wireless element really does come into play. So let's talk about density and, and large-scale scenario here. So we have a, I've got a, just a kind of um, computer-generated model of what one of these um, networks might look like in a, a one-kilometer square. So what I've done here is just randomly placed a bunch of nodes, devices, into this domain. There are 1,000 devices, which means that we have potentially uh, about a half a million direct connections between devices. So obviously, there are not half a million direct connections here because we've scaled the connection range uh, for any two devices accordingly. Um, and this is sort of, th this is really going to, this idea of, of scaling connection range is going to come back throughout the, the course of the talk. So um, if we want to kind of take this into a, 
maybe a slightly more macroscopic context, where is that square kilometer? Um, central London, if we center ourselves around Trafalgar Square or something like this, we can easily see that we'll, we'll have a thousand devices um, sitting in a, an area probably uh, smaller than uh, a square kilometer. Um, the, the black dots here, just for reference, actually, this is real data. These are uh, base stations, 3G base stations, um, operating only at 2100 megahertz from a single operator. So that gives you some sense of scale. And actually, that's from four or five years ago. So <laughs> things have moved on a little bit. Uh, so this is the kind of, you know, just kind of setting the scene in terms of this dense, uh, large-scale type of network. Um, in terms of applications, why do we want to sort of even... Uh, venture into um, you know this this kind of paradigm. Well, it's really what rewards are possible in terms of you know health monitoring uh, in, in a remote sense or preemptive diagnosis, um, daily living, uh, authentication, manufacturing. Actually, is an interesting one because we really get into the actuation there. Um, and actually, there's you know manufacturing is sort of. Uh, becomes such a, a subgenre of IoT that it's got its own name. There's an extra I, the industrial Internet of Things. Um, so, so there's quite a lot of uh, potential for all of this. Now, the enabling technologies uh, really, you know, kind of can be summarized over here. We're talking about sensors and actuators. So there are a lot of sensors in our phones, uh, smartwatches, uh, purpose-built sensors, obviously. But you can see that with a lot of these devices, they're mobile uh, and hence. Uh, you know, the wireless element of, of uh, connectivity here to uh, link everything up and create this larger system is pretty important. Okay, so, and actually my background is in wireless communications and this is really the perspective I'm approaching this problem from. Okay, so um, of course <coughs> there are some challenges. Uh, you know, we have challenges ranging from privacy and security, uh, just the sheer volume of data uh, if we have uh, a thousand nodes or, or trillions of nodes or whatever, you know, there's a lot of data coming in there that we're going to have to deal with. So the volume of that data is, um, is important and that's a, a problem and that's something that we need to deal with. Um, I mean, this is where concepts you may have heard of like um, cloud, uh, edge cloud computing, fog computing, some of these things come into play where you do a lot of processing at the edge of the network, at the wireless edge, the access part before you send everything back to some central processing node to actually do something with it. So, um, but really the, the thing that I'm focusing on for the remaining kind of 20 minutes in this talk is this sort of scaling and complexity uh, aspect of, of the problem. So, I mean, this, this introduction really is, is hopefully just to kind of get everyone into the same frame of mind uh, so that we can kind of tackle that head on. Because really until now, if we're, particularly if we're talking about wireless networks, uh, we've not had a way to characterize that complexity. So I'll, I'll try to elucidate one idea uh, over the course of this talk. Um, really, my goal is to kind of motivate and inspire you. It's not to necessarily provide uh, the absolute, um, you know, kind of some panacea or amazing uh, new technology that we can, we can take forward, but really to get us thinking properly about um, this problem. Okay, so here are our simple questions. So how can we quantify uh, the complexity of, of these sorts of IoT, wireless IoT networks, or any ad hoc wireless networks for that matter? But, you know, in the context of IoT, I think it's pertinent. Um, and then beyond that, once we have some quantifiable measure uh, of complexity, um, how can we use this 
uh, to engineer better networks. And that's really the kind of the next saga. That's sort of the next book in the series. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll say a little bit about that today, but mostly we're focusing on the first question here. So I think to kind of make progress in a general setting such as this, it's best to sort of run an experiment, all right? Um, so effectively what I've done, I'm not going to ask you to do the experiment. I'll do the experiment for you. Um, that would be fun. So on this slide, what I'm going to show is, is just uh, a number of trials of an experiment where I randomly locate some devices in this square kilometer region, say, um, I mean, it's a box here. It doesn't have to be a box. Obviously, it can be a lot more complicated, but it's pretty simple. Um, and then I'm going to connect any two devices directly uh, if they are within some range of each other. Okay. So, and this, this is going to be an absolute connection, probability one. So it's going to be fairly straightforward. Now, in the short connection range case, if we scale down our transmit power, for example, we're not, we're not really anticipating a lot of connections here. Okay. So this is literally a, a computer-generated network where we test this rule and we see that actually nobody connects, I don't think. Which might seem a little bit silly, but actually, uh, you know, this is quite important for painting the full picture of complexity because this, in some ways, is not very complex. It's also maybe not too useful in some contexts. But um, if we do this again, we get something largely the same. We do have a couple of little clusters here uh, forming. Uh, we can do it again. We can do it several times. And largely, we're getting some sort of repetition of this basic idea of completely disconnected networks. Um, okay, so something that I'm, I'm observing in this really is that I'm fairly certain if I hit the button again, I will get a, a similarly disconnected network. So in some ways, the complexity is pretty low. So let's hold on to that thought and increase the connection range. So now we have a medium connection range, maybe say two or 300 meters. Um, here we get a fully connected network on the top left. If we run this again, things get interesting. Okay, now we have two separate connected components, uh, one very small, two cluster, and everything else is connected over here. So things get, you know, they, they do get a little bit more complicated. Do it again, we still get two components. Um, but they're very different. You know, the structure of this network and the structure of this one are very different. So, we, you know, this guy here has we've got a very dense scenario over here, and then... Uh, you know, a sort of spread out one here, but actually the, the sort of size of the connected components is comparable. If we do it again, things change uh, better or worse, I don't know. We have three components, four components. I mean, it happens in this case. I did literally press the button six times. I just got this particular um, set of networks. So, and they all look pretty different. So being able to predict where things are going from here this is where things get interesting, uh, they get complicated, and this is really what we're trying to sort of the essence of what we're trying to get into, to, to sort of define. Now let's increase the connection range to be on the order of the uh, diameter of this box. So here it's about um, 1.4 kilometers uh, if we have a, a one kilometer uh, side length. Um, and because of the connection rule, the individual pairwise connection rule, which is absolute, between two nodes if they're within that range, I, I know with certainty here that every node is going to connect to every other node in this network. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. And if I do this lots of times, um, surprise, surprise, um, we get a fully connected or a completely connected network. The, the technical term here is a complete graph. Um, 
Okay, so again, even though this might visually look complicated, it's not. Because as engineers, if we wanted to design a, a, a routing protocol to get information from, say, this node here to any other node in the network, I can simply tell that node he's connected to everyone. So just communicate directly. It's very easy. So we need to sort of define carefully what complexity is. And I think what we've hit on through this, these simple, these three experiments, is that it's, it's linked to uncertainty. So the uncertainty in, you know, particularly in a wireless context, this is very useful because we don't really know until we observe the network what the state of the network is. So uncertainty in this case is how uncertain are we that the topology will resemble some model uh, when, we, when we take a look. When we flick the light on, when we turn the switch on and everyone tries to connect, uh, how certain are we? Well, this is really nice because uncertainty is also known as entropy. And I don't have many equations, I promise. But for those of you who do have a bit of a background in uh, probability theory and information theory and these sorts of things, you'll see that this, this sort of quantitative form of complexity in this context is sort of nothing new. So this here is just what we're doing is we're saying complexity is going to be the entropy of the network ensemble. So an ensemble of networks here means every possible, um, the group of every possible network we have. So let's take the example of, uh, just to, to give you a picture of what that means, let's take the example of a thousand nodes. Um, there are approximately half a million possible connections, which means that you have approximately two to the 500,000 possible networks, or 10 to the 150,000. Um, so I think that maybe goes some way to motivating why we would want to be able to understand uh, complexity in this context um, because I don't know about you, but I don't really want to try to enumerate 10 to the 150,000 networks. I mean, there are only sort of 10 to the 80 atoms in the observable universe. So, I mean, that just kind of gets things in, into perspective. Now, now, the kind of idea of, of the entropy of the ensemble or the uncertainty of the ensemble um, is not new. Uh, this, is, uh, this is something that the computer scientists have looked at in the past. Um, it's something that uh, statistical physicists have looked at in the past. Um, they, they well represent these sorts of models and, and the entropy of these network models actually well represent fermionic systems. Um, but in this context, when we're talking about spatial networks, it's completely new. So we don't know how the underlying local properties of those, the random spatial positions of nodes will affect uh, the complexity or the entropy of the, of the network in this case. And this is effectively what um, I'm sort of arguing for today. Um, okay, so now that we have something quantifiable, the nice thing about this is mathematical and we can plug it in and plot it. And we can see what happens when we change some system parameters. So here our system parameter is going to be that connection range. So I'm simply increasing it as we go from left to right and I'm simply plotting out what the entropy of the network ensemble will be uh, for a five node network stuck in a box. Okay, so um, don't pay attention to these curves too much right now and don't pay attention to the difference between the markers and the, the solid lines. There's a lot of machinery that goes on behind this. So in effect, we have an approximation and an exact result from our analysis. Um, but uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I took this figure from a published paper that, that, was, that I presented in December. So um, it was easy enough to, um, you know, to kind of speak about things in that context. So this black curve here, uh, or the black data, represents exactly what our experiment was. 
so we have a hard connection rule, probability one, if two nodes are within this distance of each other. So at this point, 0.6, uh, then we see that the entropy is going to be quite high. If we've got a, a 0.2, uh, this is in terms of kilometers in this case, if we have a one kilometer side length, um, we start to get a fairly low complexity or low entropy. Um, this is exactly what we, what we saw in the, in, the, in the sort of examples that I showed. This sort of short connection range is this part of the graph, medium is this part, and large is way over here where we go down to zero again. Now, okay, so for those of you who, who do know quite a bit about wireless communication, we know that the spatial position of nodes is not the only uh, sort of random variable or, or degree of uncertainty in these systems. Uh, and in fact, uh, one of the biggest things that we have to deal with is scattering processes, reflections and things like this that come off of uh, walls and, and uh, you know, diffusion around blockages and things like this. So this gives rise to statistical models in terms of pairwise connections. So we no longer can say that if we're within 200 meters of each other, we, we connect with certainty. Now we have a probability of connecting. Okay, and that's well founded on information theory. Um, details aren't here, but we can simply take that as, as rote. Uh, and that leads to these sort of higher entropy results here. And simply going from red to green to blue, we're increasing that pairwise uncertainty. So this is really interesting because this is, entropy is a global, uh, you know, sort of macroscopic perspective of complexity of the network. Whereas what we're saying is if we change the local model just a little bit, then we have profound consequences on that global uh, complexity. So again, as engineers, we need to understand this. Um, and hopefully, this gives us a, a start to, to understanding that. So before um, carrying on with some more analytical treatment of this, um, I just quickly want to go through some interpretations of network entropy. So we've done the kind of um, lack of information or uncertainty. Um, <coughs> something that's, that's probably computer scientists in the audience will like is this idea of minimum description length. Uh, and this is, again, the, the sort of theory behind this is well-founded. It goes back to, um, to the sort of 40s or thereabouts. Um, and basically what we're saying here is if we can calculate the entropy of, uh, of the network, then that tells us the minimum number of binary questions, yes-no questions, that we would have to ask to ascertain exactly what the network topology is. So if I pulled a network out of a hat, that hat had all the 10 to the 150,000 possible networks in it, it's a big hat. If I pulled that you know, network out and you had a blindfold on, then you could ask a number of questions equal to, at least equal to, the entropy um, and, and ascertain exactly which network I pulled out. So this is obviously has implications for storage of network topology and things like this, because if we store uh, the network topology as a, a string of bits, then it's directly related here. And there's a really wonderful interpretation that my postdoc, Dave Simmons, who's sitting in the back, so please speak to him later on. Nice guy. Um, there's a wonderful interpretation here in terms of communication. So um, if we, say, want to convey the topology information from, you know, elsewhere in the network to a single node, we need to ensure that the sum or the aggregate capacity, the sum of the capacities of all the incoming links to that node is at least as great as the entropy. 
So there's quite a lot. This is far-reaching. You know, this theory is is uh, it's got a lot of engineering applications here, particularly for the the IoT and these dense large-scale networks. There's one final interpretation that sort of starts to lead us toward the end of this talk, which is uh, the idea of typicality. I, I love this because you take a seemingly uh, simple word like typical and suddenly you give it some lovely complex flavor. Excuse the pun for the complexity. Um, but really, the, the point of typicality is, even though we might have 10 to the 150,000 possible networks, uh, if we observe a system in practice, we won't see nearly that many. So we will, we will observe the typical set. So if we continue to draw experiments out of our hat, um, or generate these computer models like I did earlier, um, it will fit in this sort of blob here, rather than this entire blob here. Um, now, in the context of what we said earlier, if we have maybe a low connection range, we have a small blob. And if we increase the connection range, then that increases. And if we increase further, it decreases again. So from an engineering perspective, again, knowing the size of that and knowing what that set of, of networks is will be immensely helpful in designing future systems. And my, my point here is that we don't fully understand that right now. So we're only starting to uncover these things. OK, so this is the second equation, but you don't need to pay attention to it too much. Um, the point sort of carrying on with this design is um, if we do want to increase, if we want to scale up our network from a low number of nodes to 1,000 nodes or whatever, I mean, this is reality, right? We don't have, we're, we're not going to, manufacturers are not going to just design a bunch of nodes and plonk them down into Trafalgar Square, London or Oxford or wherever um, overnight. This is going to scale up. So we need to design the networks to evolve with that scaling to manage complexity. And that's exactly what we're showing here. So the maximum entropy plotted as a function of nodes increases like this blue line. And effectively, we can maintain a, a constant level of entropy of, of complexity by reducing um, a single parameter in this case, which is just going to be the connection range. So we can do that by reducing transmit power. Now, it gets a lot more intricate than this, but unfortunately, we don't have an hour-long talk. So um, if anyone's really interested, we can talk about that later. But this, this gives you an idea of the sorts of design rules that we can, we can apply. And the final thing I'll, I'll say is we have to be careful about, about modeling. Um, because depending on the type of model that we're interested in, whether we assume isotropic radiation or anisotropic radiation, or whether we assume various types of statistical uh, fading, uh, sort of channel fading phenomena in, in, the, in the system, um, we could get drastically different results. So this kind of supports the idea of working with industry uh, as the IoT is developed um, to, to sort of get the model right and, and design things properly. So that's pretty much it. I just wanted to conclude with a very quick slide on, um, on applications. Some of these I've maybe touched upon. Probably the most interesting that I haven't talked about is this idea of, of using entropy for self-organization or self-healing. And I have a, a DPhil student that's starting to work, in, work on this topic as well. Um, this is a great idea, and it, it sort of paints a slightly different picture of, of complexity. So in the case of self-healing, if something fails in the network, what we really want to do is adapt quickly. Well, if we, in order to do that, what we really want to do is have a very large typical set of other networks that we might fall back to by simply tweaking a small parameter in the network, such as transmit power, um, to sort of converge onto some other typical state. 
Um, so this kind of argues against having uh, a low complexity system. So, I mean, yeah, I think this is more of just a question of, you know, making sure that we're thinking about this in the correct way rather than saying, oh, complexity is bad. Maybe complexity is good. And in, in, in a sense, I've actually done some work on um, different types of networks, not wireless, but flight networks, and it, show, it shows us that the sort of pair connection likelihood between cities uh, is very close to the maximal entropy distribution that you would find. So this is a, a fascinating sort of idea, um, and I think all that remains is to say thank you very much for your attention, and uh, I'd, I'd welcome any questions.